All right, welcome to She Talk Sports with the Dovers, the podcast bringing you the very best stories, insights and conversations with women in sport. Um, welcome to our first episode sponsored by She Hoops. Uh, I'm Cassie. And I'm Jackie. And today we're joined by the GOAT herself, Lauren Jackson. Hello. How are you going? Now, um, LJ, LJ obviously doesn't need an introduction, but for those that aren't fully aware of your extensive resume, we'll give a very quick overview. 2020 uh, Women's Basketball Hall of Famer, 2021 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer, three-time International Player of the Year, uh, 2012 London Olympic flag bearer for Australia, um, and two-time WNBA sorry, champion. Obviously, a very extensive career in WNBA and WNBL, which we won't dive too far into, but um, that's just to name a few of it. So let's talk about you today and most importantly, the most, um, I wouldn't say most importantly, but definitely one of the best sporting comebacks in history um, this year itself. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, but we'll chat about how your WNBL season is going so far, LJ. Can you give us a little rundown? Three and one with the Southside Flyers? Yeah, so, or two and one, I think. I think two and one. Um, so two we play one. our fourth game tonight, yeah. Um, look, we're, we're doing okay. I think, yeah, obviously we didn't have a real um, long preseason together. Um, and then, you know, we got into, we, we played our first two games. We won them, which was good. But there was like little sort of hiccups along the way just in terms of defensive um, schemes and, you know, our offense and just getting used to each other, I think the chemistry and stuff like that. Um, and then we played Townsville and we just didn't play any defense at all and um, no energy. And so, look, I mean, there's obviously some kinks that we need to um, sort of iron out, but it's a long season and, you know, we've got a lot of talent in our team. So it's just, you know, riding the wave and hopefully we get some consistency fairly soon. Yeah, um, Townsville doing well. Townsville are great. They, yeah. yeah, they've got a great team. And I think, you know, with guards, the guards that they have and then just Lauren Nicholson, you know, you just she's such a great player. And, um, you know, to watch her sort of thrive the way that she is up there, it's awesome. Yeah, I think, definitely. I think also, like, um, looking at the, the squad, you guys have a few new players, a few new faces, whereas Townsville, for example, have they kind of have that core group that then played the NBL one season as well together. So they've probably, like you said, you had a short off-season, but then that um, off-season with the NBL one competition with those girls in Townsville playing together, I think that probably assists in them kind of coming out a bit hotter than some teams to start off the season. Yeah, definitely. And, look, I mean, it's going to be a, a long season for them because, you know, Lauren's playing massive, massive minutes. So, and I think that's, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to sort of see how that plays out over the season. But she's, like I said before, I can't really praise her enough and just the way that she plays and does her thing. But the way that she's able to bring her teammates in, into the game as well and get them involved, it's um, it's incredible. So I think at the moment they're definitely probably that team to beat for sure. Lucky it's a little um, Yeah. Yeah. How's your team coming along then the last um, you know, you've you've said it took a few games. Um yeah. have any of you played before? I know you've played with Abby before, but um how's yeah, how's that going? Yeah, so um, you know, obviously I've played with Ab for many, many years. Um, well, actually that's not true. I retired for eight years of those many, many years. So it's probably only been about six years all up. But um, 
look, it's great to be back on court with her. I mean, obviously we've got a great friendship. So I think, you know, being able to play alongside one of your best friends is really special because um, I never thought that would happen again. So that's awesome. But, you know, also I'm getting to know players like Sarah as people off the court and Rebecca Cole and um, Maddie Rochi and those girls. They're really beautiful kids and I'm really glad that I'm getting to develop these friendships with them and get to know them a little bit better. And um, I, I'm really excited about the potential, our potential for this season. Um, I think we definitely, um, like I said, once we get a little bit, bit of consistency with our offense and our defense, I think we're going to be a really tough team to beat. So, um it's yeah, I'm really excited for for what the year's going to hold for us. Awesome. Well, good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. <laughs> um, speaking of relationships and everything, you're a parent of two boys. You want to give I us am. a rundown of how you're juggling parenthood um, in retirement, but also now that you're back on court and managing that with your hectic schedule. Yeah. Look, it's um. <sighs> It's been crazy. I think the last few months have been definitely the hardest, there's no doubt. Um, having to try and just manage basketball and work and, and the kids um, has been really tough. In in 2017, my parents had a really bad car accident. It was right after Harry was born and they were living over on the south coast. And when that happened, mum, mum was in a pretty bad way. So they ended up having to move back to Albury and we decided to build houses together, like next door to each other. And it's turned out to be like the best thing ever because obviously with the kids, they've been able to run just between houses and it's easy for them just to be with Nan and Pop or be with me. And so Harry started school this year um, and we made the decision that we would keep him in school um, in Albury until um, obviously holidays and then he'll be with me in Melbourne. They'll both be with me in Melbourne then. So it's been a bit of a juggle just getting back and forth from here um, once or twice a week and then having the kids come up here and the last few weeks the kids have been sick um, so I've I've got gastro now as well which um, Harry had brought to Melbourne this week and and um, yeah it's interesting like it's just all the different factors like I never had to worry about this stuff when I was an actual athlete but now with like so many other priorities it's full on it's very time consuming and it's just trying to make it work, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great job. It's not a, not an easy job, but sharing no. is caring. That's nice of him to spread spread the love. Yeah. Spread the well, Lenny had it two weekends ago. So I went home to Albury and Lenny was sick and then my dad got sick and then Harry got sick and now, thank you very much, I'm sick. Yeah. So it's great. So just managing that before the game tonight, which is, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for me, that's for sure. That sounds like a whole nother level of elite athlete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether you'd say elite athlete. I would say more just, um, you know, I don't know, definitely not elite though at this point. <laughs> um, well, speaking of elite athletes, uh, I guess growing up, kind of coming through the system, you were a part of the AIS and then prior to the AIS too, um, you were in the WNBL when you are 16. So um, while you're not technically calling yourself an elite athlete now, how was that kind of growing up with that expectation from such a young age through your teenage years onto what was a very successful career? Yeah, look, I um, as a youngster, I didn't think I was going to be anything else but a basketball player. So I honestly, I never considered myself super elite because all I was doing from the age of 12 was lifting weights. I was in basketball stadiums. I was shooting hoops. Like that's all I was doing all the time. So 
it, you know, once I sort of got on the pathway through to the AIS and the Australian junior team, senior team, things like that, it just took off and that was my life. So I never really um, had an elite athlete mindset because I was still so young as well. So I was still um, doing all the things that young people do. You know, if I could take it back now and, and change a few things, I definitely would have in terms of the way that I looked after my body and and probably acting or behaving a little bit more like an elite athlete as a kid. But, you know, I mean, hindsight sort of 2020 and yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it um, along the way and I had a great, I had a great time, but I was also really good and I was very competitive. And I think that competitiveness um, in me and everything that I did was what sort of drove me, you know? Yeah, I think that competitive drive kind of covers up for some of those other choices and things to do all the time. <laughs> yeah. It does because I, I think even now it's like white line fever. I get out on the court and I just change. I mean, I turn into a different person and it's, I'd like to say that I was able to control it, but I really can't. It's bizarre. Yeah. Hey, um, LJ, can I ask you just to touch on the, um, you know, you said about looking after your body a little bit more. So we got, you know, some young ladies listening to this. I, I think the same. Never as a leader as you ever in my life. Wished I was, but um, yeah, that's something that I look back on as well and wish that I did the same. So maybe if you could touch on that a little bit, if you're okay with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects to that, but I think there's much more of a focus on nutrition and, and things like that nowadays, whereas I would just, you know, I'd bang out a couple of Big Macs and just, <laughs> I'd always take the easy option because it was easy, right? Like we trained late at night um, and yeah, um. But it was it wasn't only that. I mean, look, I was young, so I wanted to drink, I wanted to have fun with my friends, I wanted to sort of do everything that I could do and cram it all into my life. Um, which was fine when you're young, but I think as you get older, obviously you can't do that as much anymore. But then also too, I think physically my body, um, you know, as female athletes, we have to play year round to earn the money that we need to earn and stuff like that. We're going from season to season to season with really no time to rehab our bodies and concentrate on our bodies. And I think the last year for me has really shown me that if I had have taken the time back when I was 30, back when I was 25 to rehab my injuries properly and not feel pressured to come back for any contracts or things like that, then maybe I would have been able to play longer. So I really think that it's it's so important to rehab your body properly and and keep that strength up um, because all I did in the lead up to sort of coming back and getting back out on court was lift weights and train and get that like um, functional strength back, which I just never had. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is that the strength work and just maintaining, um, you know, good muscle strength. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it plays a big part now of how long athletes like can prolong their careers as well. And the resources that are available, I'm sure, are a lot more now than what they were back when you were coming through as well. So definitely. No, I mean that's true for sure. But I think there's I think if I had have really if someone if I had have seen it, no, I think people kept on telling me. They kept saying, you need to lift weights, you need to get strong. I didn't place enough importance on that. And when I did, finally, I made a comeback at 41, which is just completely random. But <laughs> Random and awesome. And awesome. We all love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <random> awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess um, I get talking about what you just did kind of goes into the next question we had was around like your retirement, uh, your first retirement uh, due to injury. And that's a lot of like what we saw and what we were kind of knowledged at, sorry, kind of informed of like your retirement during due to injury. Was there kind of anything mm. more else to it um, when you did retire as well? Were there any kind of feelings in that post playing life and how that transition was for you? No, look, it- for me, I'd spent the two years leading up to the official retirement rehabbing my knee or not actually rehabbing it. I had like multiple consecutive surgeries. I had about 15 operations on my knee and I could not get back. And um, I just kept having setback after setback. And um, I think in that two years, like I really hit rock bottom because, you know, I couldn't get back out on court. I felt like I was letting everyone down. I was really um, struggling emotionally. And then obviously the roller coaster of being in and out of hospitals and things like that. So that was that was brutal. Um, and then when I re- finally retired, it actually felt like a weight had been lifted off. And um, I mean, initially in in the first couple of months post retirement, I felt like I was on an island for sure. Like there was nobody calling me, checking in. There was no coaches. There was no teammates. There was. And it makes you really re- reevaluate like the relationships that you've had during your career, your friendships and, and what it really meant. Like, I think that was probably one of the hardest things, but then, you know, but then you have your family, you have the people that, you know, who your friends are, right. And, and I definitely learned during that period who the people that I was closest to were. And, um, and then honestly, after that, I just took every opportunity that I could to upskill, um, finished off my degree. I um, fell pregnant with my, my first son. Um, and I just tried to, well, I just focused on being a normal human, like having a life and started adulting. And honestly, I became happy. Like, and I think too, when I had Harry, I was just like, oh my God, this is actually this is what I've been missing my whole life. I felt that contentment straight away that I've always been searching for. And um, so retirement for me was really good. And it's probably been the happiest eight years of my life. Like, to be honest, I, it just has been special. Um, there's been so many great things that have happened or it's been eight years. It's probably been a little bit less than that. But, yeah, it's it, it was awesome. No, that's good. It's, uh, it's nice to hear that post-retirement kind of, like that that lift off your shoulder I mean I never got anywhere close to what you were able to do um but I would imagine that like I was a very good bench warmer at the back end of my uh state league minimal <laughs> career and and transitioning to refing well it's not retirement it was like a newfound kind of love and it just makes you appreciate the game a bit more I guess and I, I would assume yeah. that's similar to the comeback and getting back on the floor that feeling's probably there for you yeah look it's different now because it's not the be all and end all, although I feel like the last couple of months ha- has changed it. Look, when I was playing for Aubrey, I was absolutely loving it. You know, I was with some of my closest friends. Um, you know, my kids were able to travel with me every weekend. We were on bus trips. It was fun. Harry was sitting on the bench. I really didn't have to sacrifice anything, you know, in terms of being away from them and everything. So when the stuff with the national program started happening, that's when it got really hard again for me. And I think, um, yeah, like even, I mean, even to this day, it's like, oh, every day I feel guilty. Every day I feel bad. I want to be with my children. And it's, um, yeah, it's probably got gotten more than what I anticipated it would get. There's no doubt. Um, 
but look, I, I feel really lucky that I've had the opportunity to, to get back to this point, but you know, it's, I'm sort of done. I'll be done at the end of this season and, and I'll, you know, and I'm, I just want to get home to my family and my kids. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of, so at least I guess for you now is that something that you, because you can decide on that retirement now, that's, that means a lot to you. Um, I know you spoke about that at the FIBA World Cup and that was a quiz, you know, obviously everyone's like, and again, LJ, like trying to, you know, thinking that uh, um, power by numbers, trying to get you to play Olympics, but that's, at least now you kind of get to choose. Is that something that's um, yeah. meaningful to you? I mean, it is. Um, it is, but it's not. Like, it wasn't the reason why I came back in the first place. I really just wanted yeah. to play for Aubrey and I wanted to, I wanted my kids just to be in an environment where they could see, um, you know, athletes training and playing and being in a team environment. So it was never about retiring on my own terms or, anything I think that narrative was definitely sort of created there's no doubt about it but it wasn't I don't think I mean it's nice it's great to have the opportunity to do stuff on my own terms but if I never came back I still would have been who I was before which you know I had a great career I became legend of the sport I was able to do what I was able to do so this is just icing on the cake um and, look, I don't know if I'll play for Aubrey again after this season, and I, I probably could, you know, like because, like, again, it wasn't – there wasn't a sacrifice doing that because the kids were with me the whole time. They weren't missing school. It was weekend games. Yeah. They come to training. It was an environment where I got to go home to them every night. I think, like I said, the hardest part is not having them right here with me, and I and it probably would be – it might be different in a month when they are here, you know, on holidays and stuff. Yeah. So um, – but it is a huge sacrifice. It's a huge juggle. And I think until anyone can actually, any sporting organisation can actually um, master the that dynamic of the, the mother and the kids, it's it's really hard, like, uh, for female athletes. And, you know, I'm glad I've got the opportunity to actually experience it firsthand because at least I'm going to be able to help um, help our organisation moving forward and when they're preparing for, you know, the next... Um, sort of policy on on women and kids and things like that so you're doing a really good job at answering our questions and lee wang into our next question on our list before because the next, the next one was actually hey sorry just before the next one just wanted to add in yeah. around i was uh obviously a part of the WNBL from a, a referee standpoint when kind of abby or even before that when i was working for the townsville fire too with abby coming through um with her little one as well mm -hmm. and i think for both of you it's such a big thing to go through but I mean, it's, I get like, if you're experiencing it, it's easier than to obviously be able to go in and, and make those changes you want, but what you guys are going to open up for the next female athletes coming through in the next generation. I mean, A, you come back yeah. and I mean, my niece is a good example. Cassie's little one. She just loved seeing you in action at the world cup. And then now one day she might be in the WNBL and might have kids of her own, but what you guys are kind of trailblazing in that area is just going to be really beneficial long-term. I just want to add that in. I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah, no, it is amazing. And it, it is really important to start normalising, you know, um, female athletes with children, I think, because I think it's going to become more um, and more prevalent, um, especially now that the opportunities are, well, that sporting organisations are starting to cater for, for women with kids. So, you know, it is what it is. Not all women want to have children, which is fair enough, but I think, you know, for, for the women that do, it's... Um, 
you know, it's important to be able to be supported um, through that journey. Yeah, yes, and and I'm finding that recently with all my um, opportunities for coaching as well is having to get my daughter looked after being a single parent. You know, yeah. that is that is definitely a barrier. So, um, you know, is there any other barriers that you've noticed as a as a you know a woman in sport that has kind of restricted you, not just necessarily as a parent, but any other barriers that you've come across throughout your career? Well, I think. You know, there's been a lot of challenges, uh, um, but it's really important, though, that you mention that as a coach as well. I think, you know, for coaches and administrators as well and officials, it's even more um, prevalent, like that barrier of, you know, not having um, the ability and the resources to support you, you know, um, as parents. Um, and that's like something that we've we've got to do better. Like it's not just the athletes. And sorry, it's a really important point that I just wanted to touch on because it's, you know, obviously we are sort of working through all of that at BA and trying to change things and make them better. But um, yeah, it's important to hear that those stories, you know, and and talk about them. So other barriers and challenges, mate. There's always barriers and challenges for us. I think you know, um, it's. God, like, I think gender equity just in general is a huge one. You know, obviously in sport, there is just such um, a big parity between men's sport and women's sport. And, um, you know, we're trying to bridge that gap. I think, you know, what the AFLW has done, I think what cricket is doing and soccer, and it's great to see more visibility of athletes, female athletes, and doing great things. Um but, you know, there's still a ways to go. Um, and that's, you know, obviously the financial piece. And and that also touches on to my point before about having to play year round to earn the same money yeah. that will keep you sort of able to, to keep playing and um, start preparing for life after sport. So there's that. I think there's um, the challenge of sport, you know, when you throw everything into sport at such a young age, you're often sort of left without a career afterwards. So having to start that second life um, post um, post being an athlete. Um, but I think that the great thing about sport is that if you're passionate about it, you tend to stay in the sport and you move into other areas. Yeah. So obviously officials, coaches, administrators, things like that. And that's what fortunately I've been able to do. Um but yeah, look, I think there's there's a lot of barriers um, that we have to face. But I think for me, the the most obvious one would be that that pay gap, and then obviously being a mum, you know, in the sport, and yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a juggle for sure. Well, the the FIBA World Cup was amazing. I think for women's basketball, especially sellout crowds, especially near the end. So we I ventured down on the last few days, and yeah. the atmosphere was crazy I mean you had a big part in that in your comeback and I know that was a big reason why I drove down to to watch it was just to watch you back in action again but I mean they not everyone came for that like even um you know from overseas and just yeah it was amazing to see sellout crowds yeah I mean Um, what a what a tournament um the LOC and and BA did such a fantastic job putting that on and the you know, all the feedback has just been so overwhelmingly positive. I'm not sure um, people anticipated the sort of crowds and the atmosphere and um, the support that we did get from from Australia and and around the world, but um, the event itself was was absolutely incredible. And to how proud as Australians 
like a we to to say that we were able to host something like that and then yeah you know to be able to play in it was just a dream come true and um oh it was so special I mean every day just well every night going out there and playing and yeah it was just incredible it doesn't feel real to me at this point still but yeah well we got there a few days out from the end of the tournament every jersey was sold out like we couldn't get a jersey anywhere like that alone I think was massive you know I was you know I had a 10 year old a bit upset but I was like well this is great for women and um and the basketball like seeing now instead of seeing LeBron on the back of jerseys they're going to see Jackson or Tolo or you yeah. know, people like that walking around, which I think is amazing. So, yeah, good yeah, job. Yeah, it is special. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, like I said, just the reception that we got was just unbelievable. And, yeah, looking back, I, you know, it's something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And, I mean, look, even if I was just an ambassador or a spectator or whatever, I'm pretty sure that I would be feeling exactly the same way about the tournament. It was just magnificent to see that many people out there just going berserk for women's basketball yeah, and absolutely. I think the ability that it provided across the sport is second to none so I uh, say so LJ I guess like um this next question uh I can kind of relate to on a, a degree being based over here in the states now too but when you were playing over here in the states the uh I guess to talk to the point of like the elite level over here versus the elite level back home and and differences or what yeah. would kind of that benefit of being based in America? Uh, look, it was really different. I think the level of professionalism within the WNBA is it's just a totally different, you know, they've got so many more resources. Um, the front office is, yeah, a lot more resource than what our WNBL is. There's no doubt about it. But I think um, in terms of, look, and I don't know how much it's changed over the last few years, um, but from my experience, there was more of a focus on like holistic um, well-being of the athlete here in Australia as opposed to America. And I'm pretty sure that's changed now. Um, but it was a different, like you sort of, when you go to America, you're over there as a professional. So you should know what you need and you go and do it. Like you shouldn't be asked to go and do it. Like obviously training with a team is one thing, but it's it's the stuff off the court. So it's a gym sessions, it's getting treatment when you need it. It's um, and not having it organized for you, like would happen here in Australia. So I think that was um, one of the differences, like knowing how to be a professional or you expected to know how to be a professional. I think that's one thing that they got a lot of the athletes get in college, you know, they learn how to be a professional in college. Whereas we sort of go over there as kids straight out of high school. It's a little bit different. Yeah. So, um, that probably was one of the main challenges. I think the travel and the amount of games and things like that, it was about learning how to treat your body and, um, you know, it's, yeah, it was, it was a learning curve straight up a big learning curve. Yeah, that would be. And I guess, I mean, you had the benefit of being in the AIS too, but a lot of people that you said are getting drafted or going over there and playing probably don't have that, uh, experience. I know being a part of the WNBL with the fire, it was a lot of scheduling around what do trainings look like, when are they getting their gym sessions in, their individuals and everything like that too. So, yeah, it's interesting to know. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit different, yeah. Cassie and I are really good at not ever having reached that level, so thank you for that information. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. 
Um, so touching on women in sport, obviously being an athlete, were there any female role models that you had that you looked up to or people that influenced your career um, as a female role model? Yeah, absolutely. I had, um, you know, obviously my mum was a huge role model of mine. She, uh, she she played for Australia. She captained Australia for a period of time and um, was my best friend growing up. She coached me. She was tough, tough as nails. But, you know, I think she sort of gave me, like looking at her and knowing that she'd achieved what she'd achieved in the sport meant that I could do it. So mum was actually one of the first women to go and play NCAA from Australia as well. So she played over in Louisiana with another Australian, Julie Ross, I think. So, um, and they were the first two to play over in college. So, you know, I think she was a bit of a trailblazer. So looking up to her and then um, I guess, you know, Timsey, like everybody as a youngster, I would look up to, you know, sort of Trish Fallon, um, Shelley Gorman. That was sort of the era in front of me and ahead of me and um so yeah I mean I watched them and the WNBL and and that was sort of who I looked up to for sure um in so in, in saying that as well there would have been some male role models or ma- people that have supported women in sport is there anyone you could think of that kind of um is really pushing for women in in a male uh from the male perspective you know like um yeah. not let you succeed or, or even nowadays you know there's a lot more push for it yeah definitely I think um look it's so important to have male allies you know in sport and I think that's been more obvious to me post being an athlete but you know when I was an athlete my dad was a was a big one has always been a massive supporter of mine but, you know, I had great male coaches as well. I had Phil Brown, who was an incredible um, coach. He coached me at the AIS for two and a half years. Um, Tom Ma, probably one of, um, yeah, he, he probably was, uh, if I believe, he's the best Australian coach that we've ever had. Um, he, you know, he sort of brought a culture into the Opals that wasn't there. And, and still to this day, we talk about um, a lot of his values that he tried to instill with the Opals. Um, so Tom was definitely um, someone that helped shape my career and me as an athlete. And even to this day, like at training, if I'm shooting and I miss, I scream at myself things that he used to scream at me. Like, it's funny. And that was like 20 years ago, longer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've had a lot of men um, who've supported me in my journey. And then post-basketball, post an athlete career, I think, you know, a lot of the men that I've worked with um, over the last few years have been, uh, have had a huge impact on my life. So they're there, they're around, and they're supportive and they're great. Yeah, I think the when we jumped on for the She Hoops talk around uh, like uh, having them in the room where we can't be yet or advocating for us is a big thing as well. And I think, like you said, that there's people that have done it before and people that are still continuing to do it, which really make it easier for us to then come in and, and show what we can do. So, I think mean, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I guess the next kind of question we've covered up on a little bit, but the difference, I guess, in women's basketball space, like pre-retirement and now when you're you're back into it now in, in terms of um, what you're able to be able to do as an athlete on the court, off the court, and then that social media that we touched on before and that media coverage and how that's kind of changed the landscape as well. 
Yeah, I think um, social media has definitely changed the landscape for uh, female athletes. It's definitely given everyone a platform. Um, and it's, you know, it's a bit of a minefield trying to navigate it really. And I'm really lucky that I'm old enough not to really care about it. It's like, so it's, you know, it's cool to be able to post stuff and everything, but I don't really get caught up in the in the nitty gritty, so to speak. Um, but it has definitely changed, like I said, the landscape um, for, for female athletes. And that's great. I think, uh, I mean, it's been interesting, some of the changes, you know, I, I felt like when I got back with the national team and to see the benefits of the collective bargaining agreement and what the athletes get now, as opposed to what we got when I was playing, I was like, oh my God, we're treated so well, we're treated so much better. And so that for me was a bit of an eye opener. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I think that that was probably the biggest thing was just seeing, is seeing the benefits of um, the CBAs that have been implemented and what that means for the athletes and the benefits that they get, um, as opposed to what we didn't get before. So it was a big one. Yeah, that's awesome. I know there was a, my mind's blanking on who it was, but one of the WNBA athletes was on a talk just the other week about similar like the CBA agreements and everything that's coming through that female athletes aren't necessarily asking for the same pay as pay as the men is based on revenue the the different factors that come into it but they're like to see the improvement from when you were first in the league to now to then hopefully in the future that continues to increase and I think social media has a big uh, empowerment like kind of bit behind that to then kind of bring that awareness to it and I think that's a real big benefit of it yeah well, you know, when I was playing before, the athletes really didn't have like a collective voice, whereas now they do, you know, and it's very clear and, and you hear them um, and you see them coming together um, and demanding better conditions um, and opportunities. So I think, you know, that's great. Um, I think that's really important and it's definitely been able to move women's sport forward in the right direction. I think... Um... You know, athletes like yourself, LJ, though, have um, have have made that happen, though. Like, you've been quite impactful in that, in the fact that you've been so successful and brought, you know, um, more viewership to women's basketball, you know, and, and it's sport itself. And, you know, you've got the other sports like Ash Barty and tennis, and um, I'm speaking just Australians here, but, um, you know, there's lots of female athletes out there that are actually impacting that and so like props to you and everything you've done and your successes um because you know you're helping the next generation of women coming through and um having more exposure for them so yeah thank you yeah it's been look for me um you know back even when I was playing I never sort of shut up like if I saw something that I wasn't happy with I would talk about it and a lot of people didn't like that but that's just who I am um and now to have an opportunity where I get to play again and get to see the issues in real time like for athletes um and then you know it's a it's a super unique situation to be in because now I can actually and I'm actually working in the sport off the court as well so it means that I'm going to be able to help sort of move move the sport forward again which um which is exciting but it's like I said it's such a unique situation to be in um so I'm just, like I said, I'm really thankful that I've got the opportunity and, and um, yeah, see what I can do.
That's exciting. Um, speaking of that, so she hoops. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight on what that involvement is? Um, we'll we'll share the link of your you know your initial video, just like promoting it. Um, we'll do that. But just maybe you give a little rundown on what that is and what it's involved in it and and the purpose and push yeah. for that. So She Hoops is a space designed for women in basketball. Um, you know, I guess what what I've seen over the years is that when you get to the levels of the sport that I've gotten to, it's easy to just stay in, involved in the sport. Whereas I think women um, getting involved at community grassroots, it's a lot harder. Um, there's a lot more barriers that you have to come up against in that systemic um, gender inequity that is prevalent through all um, community sport. So there's a lot of barriers that um, that women have to face when they're coming into the sport, which is a problem because we want people to stay in it. We want them to enjoy it, that we want them to feel connected. And I think for me, She Hoops was about being able to make that connection, um, offer mentoring programs, offer networking opportunities, um, and then also offer education opportunities. So we're offering free education through our She Hoops LMS system, which will give people just areas that they can upskill in like intangible areas so like budgeting marketing event planning things like that um so it's that stuff and then it also is just this other content that we're creating around you know interview with icons um jack obviously is one of our ambassadors um for this year which is really exciting to have her on board we're getting like a lot of names from america who who are able to come over and uh, come over via zoom um and work work with some of our developing referees and things like that so obviously um in the next sort of year or two we want to create more structure around those mentoring programs and things like that but at the moment it's just about trying to market it get as many people seeing it as possible getting as many videos up as we can getting that content just pumping through um and then, yeah, just creating a community where women can go, feel safe, um, they can ask questions, they can be involved, they can see their pathways through their states and territories. And, yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically what it is. It's, um, you know, it's for us. So It's awesome. Yeah, having the access to it is is great. It's nothing that's ever really been done for our women's space before. I mean, it's awesome to have it available to everyone. Like you said, that grassroots is really how basketball evolves and that's how we get people come through the system to be the next LJ yeah. out on, like come through that grassroots. So I think it's uh it's really yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of programs, like leadership programs being run for, you know, national governing bodies and for women that have already that have educated themselves, that are in like executive positions and things like that. So it's more um about trying to raise awareness around community grassroots and trying to give women opportunities to um, succeed, you know, how whatever that looks like. Um, so that's that's what we're doing. It's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the last thing that we just want to touch on is maybe you could um, let us know your greatest sporting achievement like on the court and then your greatest personal achievement off the court. Um, like, um, yeah, what what do you, I guess, look back on and as, a, as an athlete and go, oh, that was, yeah, that was the pinnacle for me. That was awesome. Look, there's been a few over the years. I'd, I could imagine. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
LJ, it's okay. To, um, it's all right. Yeah. About Brooklyn and me refing your comeback game. That can be the pinnacle. That was, that was it. For <laughs> sure. Bring out LJ's list of. <laughs> yeah, how long have we got? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say, look, you know, obviously the World Cup um, win in 2006 was, you know, just a highlight um, for, for the Opals and for Australian basketball. So that would be, you know, right up there. Um, being a flag bearer, that was just an incredible, like I never thought that would happen. And when it did, it was just beyond like anything I could have ever dreamt of. And then um, and then I would say the World Cup here, like this last, I th- and not so much just the World Cup, I would say the journey leading into the World Cup. I think yeah. getting back on court, um, having my kids around, um, and then, you know, the process that every single day just going through the motions, even when it wasn't going in, like anywhere, I just did what I had to do to get on court that weekend. And, yeah, getting back into the Australian squad, New York, and then, yeah, making that national team for the World Cup. I think that was just one of the, regardless of how the tournament ended, I I will always say that that was one of my greatest sort of journeys, you know, in the sport. Um because because my kids were there and um, yeah. because of the way that I felt personally, you know, and professionally. So it's, yeah, it's very special. This last year has been very, very special for me. It's been awesome to watch as well from an outsider's point of view. Yeah. What about personal? Have you anything now? Um, obviously you speak about your children a lot. Yeah. Would that be kids. your highlight? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I um, you know, I've sort of, I've talked about this a little bit, but during my career when I was younger, I always felt like I was missing something. I always felt like I was yearning for something that just I had no idea what it was. And the minute I saw my first son, I was like, I'm fine. Like I know what I, this is it. This is what I was missing. I was missing my child. So yeah, they just complete me in a way that I yeah with with them I feel whole you know and that's um yeah it's weird because I never felt like that before I had kids ever not for one minute and um so yeah I would say my kids and they're not an achievement you know but I think they're just the most special things in my world so they have to be like number one you know do they I guess they're a few years old now and when now you're back on court as well but do do they kind of understand your role within the basketball space and I mean being back on court now they obviously get to see you in action whereas if you didn't have that comeback they wouldn't but do they kind of understand with the world cup and and what that meant to us that grew up watching you play and now the kids that get to see you on court again do they kind of or are you just mum to them I'm just mum. I think Harry, like Harry gets it a little bit um, because he's at school and stuff and people sort of talk about it to him. Um, But Lenny, like my three-year-old, he's, he just has no idea. And he's so mad at me at the moment. Like he will not speak to me on the phone. He's three years old and he knows that it breaks my heart when he won't speak to me and he will not speak to me on the phone. He's like, you come home and talk to me. So yeah, I know. This is what I'm battling with at the moment. My three-year-old's actually smarter than what I am and he's very <laughs> manipulative. And, um, but yeah, it's, look, like I said, it's every day, it's a challenge just being away from them. But um, yeah, I make, I, like, I'll be home. They'll, they see me every couple of days and stuff, but gee whiz, they know how to make you feel bad. 
and they've got to do that. <laughs> right bags. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Elder, so thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah. No like it, it um it means a lot to us, but um hopefully a lot of people will listen in and you know um yeah just love you even more than you they already do now um but yeah very grateful for that and uh, we'll be able to see the podcast on she hoops website as well as our own and um and we'll make sure that we're sharing the she hoops um information out there as well and everything you're doing for women in basketball um and everything you have done um for for girls in the sport and for all girls all over the world in sport um to aspire to be the next LJ. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. It's um yeah, it's really great. It's exciting. Yeah, it's awesome. Well thank you for for being our first guest. Um hopefully That's we right. continue to do more and more episodes, but to have you on LJ is uh is awesome in itself. But to be our first guest, there's no one that we would uh when we were discussing the podcast and getting it going, there was no one else we really wanted to to kick off with. So we really do appreciate you jumping on and spending time with us when you're not feeling too flesh and before a game as well. But uh, all good, mate. All good. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of She Talk Sports with the Dovers. And a big thank you to She Hoops for being our sponsor of today's episode. You can jump online and check it all out on shehoops.com.au and we'll catch you all in our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe and like.